Hi, and welcome to another episode of Conversation with a Chef. I'm Joe Ritty, and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's a backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. I begin today by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional custodians of the land where this conversation takes place, land which was never ceded, land where communities came together to eat seasonally, locally, and without exhausting resources. I pay my respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Today I'm chatting to Diego Cosio. Inspired by his father's cooking and baking and by the food his grandmother made, Diego started his journey to become a chef in South Africa, where his family had moved from Peru. And he made sure he did part of his internship at the top restaurant in Johannesburg. Throughout his career, ambition and a drive to be better and better has propelled him from one elevated dining venue to another, both overseas and in Australia. And he's now at the dining room at Lance Moore Linden Dairy Red Hill on the Mornington Peninsula. His summer degustation menu is all about local produce, and Diego prefers to let the ingredients speak for themselves without too much fussing from him. Although, diners will notice some Peruvian nuances coming through. I chatted to Diego while it poured with rain outside, and we're both hoping that summer's just round the corner so that we can all go and enjoy his menu in the warm sun. I hope you love listening to this conversation as much, much as I enjoyed being part of it. Hi Diego, it's Joe here from Conversation with the Chef. How are you? I'm really well. Good, thank you. Thank you for your time today. I was just thinking, it's a bit ironic because I wanted to talk to you about the summer menu and we're back in one of those wintry days again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now, Diego, you have been at the dining room. Uh, I've been there for um, 18 months. I started in May last year. That's right. And it's a pretty beautiful looking place and a really lovely, the Mornington Peninsula is just amazing and the photos I saw of it are just lush and green, which I suppose we have to thank the rain for at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Diego, I like to always hear a bit about the journey, what your journey as a chef and, um, and where you've been and where you are now and the kinds of things you're interested in. So maybe we will just start back at the start and did you always know that you wanted to be a chef? Yeah, from a pretty young age, I, I, I would like be in the kitchen with my grandma or my dad. Um, <clears throat> dad used to bake uh, bread, banana bread and cakes and make desserts and make pizza. So I would always just hang around with that and wait for him to um, come home on the weekends and make something to eat. Um, my grandma was a very, very good chef or very good cook. Sorry. She, did, she never really taught me anything, but there was always food around. She, she used to cook heaps and we would all just eat. Um, and then when I was maybe 16 years old, I decided that I wanted to be a chef. Um, although my mom wasn't too impressed, she wanted me to go to uni. <laughs> um, yeah. And did you grow up in Peru? Yeah, I lived there until I was 16. Yep. Uh, and then we moved to South Africa. Okay. Uh, the, whole, the whole family. And that's where I trained as a chef. I trained in South Africa. So, yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. And is it the same sort of apprenticeship program as here that you would... Um, there's no, there's no such thing as an apprenticeship, right? It's almost, um, yeah, I did a two-year course, uh, full-time studies for the first year with some uh, practical um, uh, internships. Mm. And then my second year was uh, a full internship 
full-time work and I had to hand in like projects and assessments and things like that so yeah and while you were training did you have any particular uh, leanings towards pastry or fine dining or at that um, stage more general yeah. um, I wanted to be a well-rounded chef so I always had interest in pastry and um, I, just, yeah, I just wanted to agree with everything um, and I just wanted to work at the top of my game. So when they asked me for my internship, where would I like to go? I, I chose what at the time was the best restaurant in South Africa. So I managed to get in there. And um, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was good. It was a very uh, eye-opening experience for me. Like, you know, I was maybe 18, 19 years old, uh, straight into the kitchen. My English wasn't very good. Uh, it was tough, but um, I I learned heaps, you know, and, and yeah, it was it was good. It was a good experience for me. That's good because sometimes I guess when you're doing your training and you've got that that love and whatever, and then getting into a a kitchen of a top restaurant, um, I imagine it's quite stressful. So that could put some people off. What was the atmosphere like when you were working there? Oh, it was insane. I mean, I, I used to work with um, the owner. His chef was uh, an Italian man, uh, second generation, but he was Italian. He was super volatile. Hmm. Um. But a really nice person, like a, like an excellent person, excellent boss, really looked after me because I was by myself living in the Johannesburg. My family mm. was elsewhere. Mm. Um, so those guys were my family, basically. I used to go there on my days off and help them move chairs around, say the restaurant, prep. So he, he loved me, but uh, he did give me a hard time. Not just me, everyone. Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, you, you learn from that. And, and I guess um, my goal was to go to work and not get yelled at. And, you know, when you when you don't get yelled at, it's, it's good. It's a good day. Oh. Um, yeah. But it, it just sort of builds your character, your determination. And I, I was always very ambitious. I am still very ambitious. I just wanted to be the best. And that mm. was the price to pay, I guess. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And what kind of food were you cooking there? Uh, at the time, uh, it was what it, what it was called, I guess, fusion. So we did a lot of uh, Asian influences. Um French ingredients. We used to get a lot of things thrown in from uh, France, like foie gras and mushrooms and uh, things like that, and meat. So I got really, really good exposure to ingredients that uh, a young fella wouldn't get these days. Um, so I was, I was very lucky, um, and it kind of taught me. Uh, it broke a lot of boundaries because Dario, who is the, is the chef, who was the chef there, he wasn't trained formally, so he he just sort of made things up along the way, and he had no rules. And we did a lot of very, very strange things that I probably wouldn't do to this day, but um, for a young chef, it's very exciting and, and it opens your eyes to the fact that there's no rules, you know, so um, you make your own rules. So I kind of like that very much. Yeah, that's, <clears throat> what a great place to start. Is this, yeah. Uh, certainly, I remember, I'm hearing you say you're ambitious, but really starting off at the best place in the country you're living in is, what an incredible um, springboard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was very good, very good. So from there, what was your next move? Were you already thinking about where you would go next? Um, uh, we, we, uh, I moved back home to Peru for um, maybe for eight months. Mm. Um, I went back home. I wanted to learn a bit about Peruvian food with Peruvian ingredients because it's always been very um, uh, interesting. You know, as it is now, like actually there's a big boom about the Peruvian ingredients and food. So at the time, I just wanted to... Um, learn get exposure to uh, the food that I grew up eating and I got myself into um, again one of the best traditional Peruvian restaurants in the city 
I had to work there for uh, for free for a month because they didn't have a spot for me. But I said to him like, okay, I'll wait, I'll work until you you know until someone leaves, I guess, and there's a position. So I was there for like maybe six weeks before uh, there was an opportunity, and I took it. Um, but you know, um, it, it was good, good experience. But um, going from basically living by myself and being able to support support myself to having to live with mom and dad, and I wasn't getting paid very much, working six days a week. Um, I made the move to Australia. My brother, my older brother, was already living here. He said, "You should come. There's heaps of jobs for chefs and whatever." So um, I, after eight months, I decided to come to Australia. Um, the easiest visa for me to get was a um, student visa. So that was my plan: get my student visa, come to Australia, find a job, and get sponsored. So I came to Australia to study pastry because mm. I already done my cookery training. So I did my self in pastry. And then uh, I took it from there, co-sponsored, and eventually got my permanent residency. Wow! Yeah. And you've and I see you've worked at really impressive places here as well. <clears throat> I mean, Gimlet, Marion, Key, Tetsuya. That's <laughs> you really you don't. Um, there's no downtime for you, is there? <laughs> no, I mean I'm always thinking of what's next. Um, so we, I ended up in Perth when I came to Australia. Okay. Uh, but I always had my eyes on the best restaurants in Australia, so they're obviously on the East Coast. Uh, so as soon as I settled my paperwork, um, by then I was married. I said to my wife, um, we're going to go to Sydney. Uh, I wanted to go to Sydney. She wanted to go to Melbourne. Uh, so we made a little deal. She said to me, uh, pick three restaurants in Sydney. If you get a job in any of those three, we, we move to Sydney. Otherwise, we go to Melbourne. So that's how I ended up in Tets. I called them for a trial, basically, just for like a, like a stash, like a work experience thing. So I went there, uh, and luckily for me, like there was a time when everybody was leaving. So there was a position, they offered me a position on the day. Um, and yeah, and we moved to Sydney. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, and then you've also been in London and Singapore. When did those, yeah. those opportunities yeah. happen? Again, I just, it's just you know, I I I, I was um, always wanting to train, be better and better and better. So from Ted's, I moved to Key. I did a year there. I did like eight months at Ted's, a year at Key, um, and then uh, I said to my wife, "Let's go to London." Like you know, the, the the library was a big thing at the time. Bread was, everybody was talking about bread, and I thought um, we go to London. So we got our paperwork ready to go, and we went. Just for um, we were meant to. To go for two years, but um, um, due to our family circumstances, we came back. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I, I worked for Bread for a year. Um, came back to Australia to Perth to look after my mother-in-law, uh, and then uh, uh, that's when I was offered my first head chef role with a, a guy called Russell Blakey, who who I worked for in Margaret River. Um, so he offered me the head chef role at his uh, wine bar. And how different was that, um, that step up to head chef? Because like, there's a lot more going on than just being really good at food, isn't there? Yeah, um, it, I was ready for it. I felt ready for it. Um, obviously, you learn a lot of things along the way. And um, uh, it, was, it was good. It was very intense. I, I, I came back from London from like a very, very intense environment. And I was, you know, like I, I was doing basically the same thing in a bistro wine bar and there. Uh, um, it didn't really work out very well for me. Um, it, it's not the right place. It's not the right environment. Uh, learn from that, I guess. You know, like you, 
if I look back, and that was something like seven years ago, five years ago, I don't know, mm. uh, seven years ago. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that I, that I learned to understand, patience, be patient with myself, with the staff, um, understanding, you know, like it's right place, right sort of uh, intensity. Uh, but, yeah, no, I was ready for it. You know, basically, um, it's the best advice that I got given in London was Brett one day said to me, you are the head chef of your section. Nothing goes past you. And that stayed with me because I run my section. I run my kitchen the same way I used to run my section. So mm. always clean, always organized, check everything in my section. It just sort of escalates to like a bigger, uh, in a larger scale, but it's the same principles apply. Uh, and that's kind of how I run the kitchens, you know. Um, I try to have eyes on everything and I, I just run it tight. I order what I need, when I need it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I was definitely ready. But it, it was good. It was a good experience for me um, to do that. You know? mm. Yeah. So thinking about the, all the different places you've cooked in the different countries and I guess different cuisines, um, what what are some different things you have to be aware of when you go from one country to another and, and different types of cooking I guess what are some things that surprised you perhaps along the way um, um, well like for example when I went to Sydney uh, especially at the two years are key and key um, there's a lot of stuff and that's you know like there's a lot of chefs uh, and that's what the food that's the business plan that's that's what the food requires when I went to London it was on the six or on a, on a bad day six and a good day nine of us and that was just insane. Like, it's extremely busy, extremely... I learned to cook there, basically. You know, you got to forget everything you've done. So in, in, in Australia, in Sydney, at least, you can kind of cover yourself. You can hide in the corner and prep something. Whereas in London, you're always exposed. Mm. And it's a lot more uh, a lot more intense. Like, a, every restaurant there is, like, a lot more intense. The culture is different. People work very, very hard. Um, um, yeah, and then, you know, like, Singapore is different like we were we were there's a there's a big uh, expert community and they told us like uh do not swear do not scream because they will walk out mm, wow <laughs> yeah yeah like they will walk out they don't they don't like that so they're very you know the the culture shock so we were very mindful of that we did lose a lot of stuff but you know like um yeah it's it's very different you just kind of um in in singapore we had to overstuff the kitchen Although we couldn't really have enough staff, but we handle we kind of overstaffed it to reduce the hours because they would not work that many hours either. Mm. Um, so yeah, those are the things that we had to do. But obviously, they affect your um, your business, you know, your business plan. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I guess too. Yeah. So you must have, I mean, sixteen years of cooking and all those experiences. You must have a real repertoire of recipes and techniques and things. Do you do you write things down, or you or do you just hold them all in your head and your body to recreate uh, later or what's your uh, method you know, when I, I, it's funny because i was telling my brother that i worked with my brother I, i've worked with my brother in the past so when i he was a chef so when i took my first head chef role i was quite um uh arrogant i say i'd say you know like we, i would develop a recipe and be like i don't want to write it down i don't want the recipe because i want to keep moving forward mm. and then when i started working in melbourne i kind of needed recipes you know, because we, I was working at Marion and we were making tarts and things like that. And I was like, I don't even have a recipe for that. I would always call them and say, where's my recipe? Are you want this recipe? Now I record everything. Um, you know, it's, yeah, I, I got a, now I've got a very, very big repertoire of recipes that I've put together um, uh, for different reasons, you know, like um, 
I did um, a bit of um, take-home meals during lockdown, so I always refer back to my older recipes and uh, things like that, and that came in very, very handy, because uh, when you do, we used to do like boxes, take, take away, take-home meals, but they would change every week, and when you are cooking for, uh, you know, 100 boxes or whatever it is, you need a recipe, you need swing it. So, you know, like they came in really handy and, and that's when I also developed a lot of recipes. Mm. Um, and I continue to develop recipes, you know, like I got pieces of paper everywhere that I need to type today. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just got to put them into the folder. But yeah, yeah, I, I recall things now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm interested in hearing a little bit more about the food you're doing right now and um, on the peninsula. And I, and I guess you're using some of the great produce uh, from the Mornington Peninsula. But um, can you maybe, it's a, it's a degustation menu, is that right, at the dining room? Uh, yeah, we've got a set menu, five courses. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that I'm reading on the menu, I guess it's just an idea perhaps, like new season asparagus, the lamb loin, spanner crab, is that what, what's on at the moment? Yeah, hmm. yeah. Maybe talk me through some of your ideas. What what do you want people to experience when they sit down to eat through your um, menu? Uh, I, I, I place a lot of uh, focus on ingredients, and that's what I said to everyone. You know, like, um, you know, when people come and say, oh, that was amazing, I said, I did nothing. I just put a piece of lamb, a bit of artichokes, and, you know, uh, some kohlrabi on the plate. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. a sort of... Like people talk, yeah, hey, they're like, oh, can you tell us about your, uh, what's the word, uh, your um, background or your, uh, I don't know, something like that. And I said, like, this, this, nothing to look about me. It's all about ingredients. Like, I don't, I'm not doing anything, you know. So that's something that I really put focus on. Um, uh, I try to get the best that I can possibly get um, that works within my budget. I treat it very simply, very respectfully, and it's put it on the plate. Like one of the, one of the biggest. Um, Almost like dishes at the moment is we were doing this spana crab with a cucumber, gazpacho sort of thing. Um, uh, and then, you know, like green almonds. And it's, it's literally a bit of cucumber, gazpacho, crab dress on the plates, some mint oil and some green almonds and flowers. And it's just delicious. But I mean, you know, like the idea for me came from like it's the weather starting to change. It's sunny. It's a bit refreshing. It's more, it's, it's like it's a nice refreshing way to start your meal. Mm. Um yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in like touching food too much. You know, maybe with desserts, I get, I get a bit more creative. But uh, when it's um, on the savory dishes, I just try to put them on a plate as simple as possible, and just really highlight the quality of the products that I'm using. And because it is in that wine region, do you have to be mindful of the wines that are going with the food? Uh, yes and no. Luckily, mm. uh, they work around me. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> they don't really well only when we done like when we've done like um special events with like wines they've given me like uh, uh we need to do this and they give me a brief on what sort of food to make but in the restaurant uh no i got like quite a lot of freedom uh, i don't really use many spices uh i try to keep my flavors nice and clean uh so i guess that helps them with the wine pairing um but yeah no um um i don't necessarily cook a dish too much of wine is kind of the other way around they, mm. they match up wine to the food yeah and tell me about your um eight-year-old sourdough starter named matilda yes <laughs> um uh, i always i always uh, like baking breads and things like that i got a lot of interest in brewing uh, fermenting 
Uh, when we went uh, to Singapore, one of the very, very first things we did is start uh, sourdough. Uh, and, you know, like, um, we were, I was there from October, and um, the restaurant only opened in January. So we had a lot of time to do research and development. And uh, Sam, who was the owner, said, do you want to make a sourdough? And we, we were thinking, what do we do? Do we make our own bread? Do we buy bread? Anyway, during all this time, I, <clears throat> I developed a sourdough. We named her Matilda. Um, and that's where the name came from. So when I came to Australia, the very first thing I did is get a hold of a Sam Sourdough. So I landed a job in the South Bank in Melbourne, and we used to make our own sourdough. So I stole a bit of, I didn't see that I asked for it. So I, I took a piece of their sourdough, uh, who was three years old at the time. And then with that, I I changed it, the consistency to a consistency that I liked better. Um, and I started baking at home. And then when I came to Linden Dairy, um, I started baking with that uh, here, and I named it Matilda as well, just because um, Singapore is, or the restaurant Wybras in Singapore is a place that I hold very dear to my heart, so, you know, that's, um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think she's eight years old now. She, it was three years old when I bought her mm. in 2018, so, mm. yeah, yeah, eight years old. Mm. Well, it all sounds lovely. Um, like a real treat for people to be, be once once it is sunny, I'm, well, I'm sure it's delicious when it's raining as well, but it's always nice to have summer food when the sun's shining. Yeah. <laughs> but just, um, just as a last question, Diego, what would your advice be for young people who are thinking about becoming chefs? Um, my advice, um, work hard um, and, uh, you know, have determination. Um, there's no, I don't know, you know, like there's, like I was telling someone the other day, like I don't, I don't, I don't consider myself necessarily very talented. I just, I've just trained very hard, mm. you know. And uh, if you got that, in, if you got that goal in your head, and then you just keep working and you know honing your skills and learning new skills and trying to be better every day. I'm 38 years old and I want to do my fish better every day. I still got that sort of drive to be better every day. Mm. Um, you know, that's the that's the only thing I can I can say to young people is like don't give up and keep keep trying harder and harder and harder. And if you if you become excellent at something, then try to be faster. You know, like that's that I just I'm in a continuous race with myself. And I keeps me busy, keeps me entertained, and keeps me uh, not sitting. So you know, keeps me moving. So um, yeah, that's 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 what I, and I've always been a lot. So that's what I could I would say to people. You know, like. Uh, it's not, you know, like you, you can't learn skills. You just cannot learn attitude and desire. And, you know, you need to have fire in your belly to be good at something and uh, become better every day. So, yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much. And thank you no um, for your time today on the phone. I must get out to Red Hill one of these days because it um, sounds delicious and it'd be lovely to meet you in person. Yeah, no worries. Thank Th you very much. Have a great day. Bye. Cheers. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Conversation with a Chef with Diego Cosio. If you liked what you heard, I'm on Instagram at Conversation with a Chef, and you can read the chat at www.conversationwithachef.com. I would so love it if you told a friend about my chats, and of course, you can follow me on Apple and Spotify podcasts. Once again, thanks for listening, and have a great day.